0: This is the Thanks for Rolling podcast. Believe it or not, it's back. It's been a long time. Is this season three or is it season 2.5? Uh, I was going to get rid of all the season numbers and just make it consistent episodes. looks better when we can say we have 50 yeah. episodes versus. It's true. I thought maybe we were just syncing up with
1: uh, Yellowstone. We were just on an extended mid-season break.
0: Yeah, we wouldn't be back until like 2026 <laughs> if, that, <laughs> if that was the case. R.I.P. Um, Yellowstone. How are you? Awesome, man. It's been a long time. It's been a long time.
1: The last episode, uh well, the last episode in studio, I sat here with Rob Cole, you weren't able to make it. But that episode was a little out of order because we had some pre recorded from the finishers camp. So I don't even know what the order yeah. of release has been. That's it's been right. a little jumbled up lately.
0: And finishers camp was in July.
1: Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, I know. Wow. Hmm. It seemed like it was recent, but that's been five months. Yeah, that's a long, well, that's a
0: while. Um, Damn. Yeah, I, know, I knew I hadn't been in here in a while, <laughs> but I didn't realize it had been quite that long. That's right, I couldn't make the uh, Liquid Rob yep. episode, so. All right, well, we have a, uh, I, I don't want to call it a two-part episode, but we're doing a little intro here for what will be a uh, Zoom call with some special guests, um, talking about an event we have coming up here Um, at the, at the gym, but we thought we'd do a little... I guess year-end recap, maybe a little 2024 preview. Um, Not too much prepared here, but we can at least set the stage for what's coming up and uh, go from there. Then we'll roll into the next section.
1: Yeah, we had a pretty fun 2023 as far as stuff at the gym goes. Had some events. Um, So we had our quintet back in March. That's right. Right, March? Yep. We had our quintet in March. Um, our team walked away with the win on that one. It was the all 10th Planet Finals, us in the 10th Planet Fairfield team. Right, That was a blast. Rave reviews, as always, on uh, our quintet events. And then right after that, right, was uh, the Friday Night Grappling League. Right.
0: first in April, first we kicked that off. First season of that, which was pretty cool. Again, great reviews, which always feels good, right? And then we rolled into... The next event for FNGL, which was married with, well, I guess really we called it Rock and Rolls, right? Yeah. So why don't you talk about that? That was more your gestation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we had,
1: we hosted an event here we put together, called it Rock and Rolls. Um, and Dally, said so that was married together with another iteration of the Friday Night Grappling League, which was held on a Saturday afternoon and was not a league. It was just a one-day event, but <laughs> not to get into specifics. Wait, that had everybody, had everybody
0: <laughs> completely thrown off. They're like, wait a second, it's not on a Friday? Let's and it's see. not a league? Yes, yeah, so we did a women's-only bracket uh, with eight competitors. Uh, we figured it would be a good way to uh, get a little extra attention to the Rock and Rolls event, um, give some of the local women competitors uh, a venue. Mm. And uh, said, so yeah, the name whatever. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe not the best branding we've yeah, ever yeah. come up with. The next time we do it, it will be back to a Friday night. I promise you guys, we have something in the books yeah. for, for the spring too. So,
1: yeah. And then, so the rock and rolls part of it was, um, the idea was to have a big open mat with live music and to just beef up the, the scope of the event. I made it a fundraiser. Um, so we took donations, all donations, we gave to Adopt a Cop BJJ. Um, so that money goes straight to sponsoring police officers to train Jiu Jitsu for free, essentially. We have a, a pretty good contingency of officers that train with us. So um, that was a program that I was happy to give some money back to. And I think we ended up raising, I think it was enough money for two officers to train. For a full year, so. That's awesome. It was pretty solid. Yeah, that's great. And then we had live music by The Boneyard. Um, they're a, a local rock and metal cover
0: band. Had a bunch of people here for Open Mat. It's a good time. Yeah, everybody raved about... I got a lot of reviews for that whole day uh, in the DMs. You know, people were pretty, yep. pretty excited about it. It was pretty cool. A lot of energy. Um, yeah, everyone's like, I want to roll the live music all the time.
1: Yeah, now. I'm like, well, I don't think that's in the budget, but... <laughs> I appreciate the review. So that's three big events in a year. Yeah, we had Fion here for a seminar
0: back in the spring as well. That's right. Sold that out. How could I forget about that? Yeah. Yikes! Yeah. Then we had some cool podcast stuff, right? We got to obviously sit down with Fion for a while. We got to sit down with JT, yep. um, which was a highlight. So pretty successful. It year. was a solid year. Yeah, pretty successful. And then within that mix, um, you know, we
1: completely switched our our teaching and training style here and adopted the ecological approach pretty much completely. I wouldn't say we're 100% perfectly ecologically aligned right now, but I I think we're into it more than most
0: are. What would you say is the gap? Like, What's the tail that, that needs to be adjusted, would you say? I oh, mean all the classes across the board like you're saying yeah, yeah we don't have yeah.
1: every single class integrated yes. um, we have the majority of them and then I, don't know, I think maybe any shortcomings still in the classes that we are teaching ecologically I think um, there might just be some loose ends that will be tied up as we all study and learn more mm-hmm. yeah
0: and that you know that's a good segue into our kind of chapter coming up next, right? So we have some guests on board. Uh, I won't spoil kind of what the main topic is, but um, you've gotten a chance to become pretty heavily involved in at least a segment of the um, ecological training world. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we were out at, we were down at finishers, you know, one of the big draws there was to kind of experience Greg Souters and his work, um, which was the first time that I got exposed to that style or methodology of, of training, right? Um, because at that point we had been
1: we had been implementing the the methodology here for four months. At that point, um, you know, just based on what we were learning by watching um, through the interwebs and right. studying on our own. So it was that was definitely a cool opportunity to get to um, run through a session, a class with Greg, and get to chat with him a little bit after, and then get to interview. Um, his guys DeAndre and Noah, which we put out as a
0: an episode right. a while back. Right. Yeah, we'll we'll link to a bunch of these episodes that we're talking about. We had um, Ryan Bartlett was on about adopt a cop at yep. one point. So we then we talked to Noah and uh, DeAndre. So we'll have those linked up there as well. Um, yeah, I, that's it's funny because that really changed. I mean, it changed everything at the gym. Really, it did. Um, and I remember pretty early on. One of the guys had said to you, like, hey, I feel like I've learned more now in whatever three months than I did in a year and a half or two years beforehand, which is, like, mind-boggling, right? As someone who never trained that way leading up to it, like, it's really fascinating to see how people have adopted to or adapted to that methodology.
1: Yeah, and I feel like now we've, you know, at the beginning, we were taking an existing student base and... We literally flipped the switch overnight, right? We Mm -hmm. were talking about it one day and I'm like, all right, tomorrow we're just going to try it. So, you know, our contingent of students that have been with us, it was a huge change overnight. So it took some time to get all of them on board and understanding the differences and the whys and the hows. But now that we've gotten through that, everyone knew that comes in. They don't know any different. It's just this is jujitsu to them.
0: Right, right. It was interesting, I think last week we had somebody in from, um I don't know, I remember, I don't know exactly what school he was in, but he was from Virginia, right? And yeah. <clears throat> I always feel like when I have someone come into class who has trained before, like always need to give them some context, like, right. by the way, you're not going to see what you've seen however long you've been <laughs> training for before. Um And to see, like, I like to just kind of watch how they kind of adapt to to what we're doing. It's very similar to what everybody would do when we first started doing it, okay. right? So, Yeah
1: yeah we're at the point now with where every class you don't feel the need to have to give the background story of what we're doing and why we're doing it I like to throw it in there still every now and then just to um, remind and kind of recenter everybody's focus on on what we're doing mm-hmm. but yeah the
0: the train's rolling now yeah um any thoughts for what's gonna what 24 is gonna look like? So
1: we're, we have much of an outlook too far ahead, but, um, you know, we're kicking off the year pretty early, um, January 14th. We have, a a team in a a 16 team quintet at the Connors grappling invitational. Is that the proper name of it? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Connors martial arts is teamed up with Enigma on promoting some events. So. Um, we got an invite to that. I think we were one of the first invites we got from Christos. And before I even hit up the team, I was just like, yes, we're doing this. <laughs> um, we didn't even know it was a 16-man at the time. I figured it would be like – or a 16-team. figured it would be like an eight-team. But um, that's a big event. Enigma always puts on a solid show. We've been involved in um, one of their shows in the past. And then, obviously, Connors is your previous home. So mm-hmm. we still have friends out there. So um, – It'll be a good event and there's some heavy hitting teams coming into it. So we're excited for it. The guys are already training hard and
0: hoping to put on a good show. Yeah. Uh, So I've seen, I think I've seen three teams, four teams totally announced so far. Is that right? I think three. Broadway.
1: Oh yeah, four. There's so far, it's our team, um, Broadway Jiu Jitsu. They have a solid team. know a couple of guys there. Daniel Gracie and the Connors team. Yep.
0: With the the Captain John stepping up.
1: Captain John stepping in.
0: (laughs) The world champion. Props to him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's great. When we were making the team, I considered, I'm like, should I jump into this? I'm My desire to get in there with the big guys is, it's just gone.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Props to John. Yeah. Yeah, I know a bunch of those guys on his team, so it should be pretty good chat. Obviously, we've had a bazillion run-ins with Rory (laughs) over the years, so yeah, that'll be cool. It's a it's a pretty exciting event. Sixteen teams in a quintet is yeah. think, amazing to us. Twenty five hundred dollar cash prize. It's a lot of jujitsu. It is a lot of jujitsu. Yeah. That'll be great. It's pretty cool to see um, them hosting events, you know, at, at John's place. So,
1: yeah, and I think the the guys are targeting you know one or two tournaments locally, regionally, I guess before that to you know get get tuned up and and be ready to go. So, that's where our sights are set leading into twenty twenty four. Don't really have any other big plans yet. Going to be looking at getting uh, John Boteo back out here definitely in 24, probably spring, maybe early summertime. Imagine we'll get another FNGL proper
0: season going. Mm -hmm. Yep, I've been chewing on some ideas for that.
1: I think you teased that we might do the absolutes.
0: Yeah, that's where my head is right now, is that we'll do some absolutes. There's been a lot of, um, you know, kind of bigger guys who have hit me up in the past being like, hey, how about some, you know, absolutes or heavyweights? Um, I like that idea. It takes away
1: any logistics with weights and weighing in and, you know, opens up the competitor pool to a much broader group of people. Right. Be easy to fill a bracket.
0: I'm thinking about um, potentially doubling the size so going from 8 to 16, if possible. Uh, again, that depends on how many how many of you out there are interested. Um, I think that's a good idea because we flew
1: through the matches a lot faster than I think either of us anticipated right. last time around. Like we were we were in and out of here 45 minutes on oh, yeah, Friday. Oh, like yeah, under an hour. <laughs> yeah, it was
0: crazy. It was crazy. And I think even if we do 16, uh, we have the match space to probably run two. I'm Depends how wild the big boys are getting. Yeah, right, right. We're talking to you, Tyler King. <laughs> <laughs> Danger well, when we've
1: When we've done the quintets here, we do two matches at a time in the yeah. opening rounds.
0: Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. Um, that will get us through it quicker. Um, I'm also considering the idea that maybe we don't go every single week to make it a little less onerous on people to get out here if they're coming from another location. Um, of course, that extends the overall time frame. So I've got to work through some of that. We'll make a few rule changes based on our learnings from, you know, both FNG events before. Yeah. And I think it's important.
1: We've talked about this when we were planning the last one, is trying to keep the competitor pool as local as possible because of the commute. Right. You know, trying to drive your way into Springfield from most directions right. at five o'clock on a
0: Friday is not right. ideal. Right, right. Be curious to see whether or not um some of the veterans want to make a return we'll see what happens there
1: yeah yeah the cool thing with the absolutes is it's you know you don't have to have just the big guys there's a lot of smaller guys that like to get in there and scrap
2: right
0: right yeah i mean i'd love to see some new names um you know ultimately if we did do this long enough i always had it in my head that we would you know whatever if we have 10 seasons eight seasons even to be able to go back like year nine and say or season nine, I should say, and be like, all right, let's bring back the eight champions, right, and have an absolute champions bracket. Like, that would be pretty dope. Yeah. So, yeah, more to come. we got a lot of logistics to work out. Again, I know I teased the absolutes, um, but once we get through the holidays, I'll start putting some actual pen to paper on how that's going to shake out. Nice. So, yeah, that'll be good. All right. Anything else we should cover for 24?
1: Uh, it's early, I know. It's early. I haven't put too much thought into much further out than that, but I'm sure we'll have some fun shit going on. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All right. So we've got, uh, four guests joining us, three, three guests, joining us? three guests, three guests joining us. Uh, so we'll see if we can make the, uh, <laughs> the zoom work properly this time, since we always seem to have, have some issues. Uh, so I hope you enjoy the rest of this. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll be back. Hopefully, we'll, we'll have some more frequent podcasts. we got to get the momentum going for the start of the year. Yeah, I've year. A,
1: I've been keeping a list of potential guests that I want to get on here. So um, I think I have a good variety that I'm looking at. Just need to get the guys scheduled and get yeah. them in here.
0: Yeah. If you guys have ideas as listeners, you know, to someone that you think will be interesting yep. for the community. Um, and it doesn't just have to be jujitsu based, right? And we've had people in here who have never trained at all. Right. Um, just some kind of connection to us and you know people with interesting stories in their lives there's always a good a good conversation so all right enjoy uh part two
1: we can go around the table and just give everyone opportunity to do a quick intro of themselves um just to get acquainted here and then we'll get into talking about all the fun stuff that we have going on and coming up um Rob, let's go ahead and start with you. Um, a lot of our viewers/slash listeners should be somewhat familiar with you since you were just on one of our most recent episodes. But um, if you can give us a a brief intro to yourself,
3: uh, Rob Cole. I've been training martial arts over thirty years, grappling for over twenty, multiple martial arts styles. Um, currently coaching at Ascension Athletics. Um, I do some. I coach for the Globetrotters. Um, pretty much, uh, pretty much that's it at this point. <laughs> I don't know what else. What the intro to say anymore? I've been doing a bunch of these, so it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of weird when I keep getting asked. I'm like, oh, what else? So that is, you know. So I'm pretty good with that. So awesome. And coaching at the coaching at the latest camp
1: in yeah. March. Can't wait to get into talking a little bit about that. Um, Denise, yes. why don't you go next?
4: My name is Denise. Um, I started training jiu-jitsu in the Bay Area of California in about 2005. I am currently living in Southern Colorado in a small town called Pueblo West. And I am the owner and head coach and sole operator of Grindhouse Grappling.
1: Awesome. I was just telling Jeff right before we all got on here, Al, I really enjoy getting your perspective on things as a, a woman that is solely owning and operating her own Jiu Jitsu Academy.
4: Thank you. You are one of my biggest cheerleaders, so <laughs> I appreciate you a lot.
2: Thank you. Uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Parham, I, um, originally from Louisiana, sort of training in Jiu Jitsu around 2006. Um, and I'm currently a brown belt train out of Charleston, South Carolina. And I started the eco dynamics for jujitsu now it's the mission grappling discord server and kind of manage that and kind of fell into the role of helping grow this community. So
1: awesome. I think that's a, that's a perfect segue. If you could get into a little bit more of how all of that came to be, you know, how'd you get into, uh, the ecological approach at first and then, you know, how did that morph into you standing up this discord server and, and getting this community together?
2: Yeah, so I uh, I was training at a mainly a judo school for five or six years uh, up until right before COVID, and uh, so I would take on a lot of the jujitsu classes, and I was trying to do uh, something different than the normal, <clears throat> you know, three techniques and drill kind of class uh, for a long time, and just trying to figure it out on my own without really having any background, and then um, got. To you know, decently far on my own before, you know, I came across Greg, um, and what he was doing um, around COVID time, and then I, uh, I was a moderator on Reddit, so and then it started popping up on there too. So I had a chance to go to his school when I was on a work trip, and I popped in one class, and um, like everything kind of clicked after, you know, just playing one game basically. And talking to him for a little bit so I, I started to make sense of what what he was doing and then I, and I dove into the the resources but then um like I said I was a moderator on Reddit so one of the first podcasts Greg did it got really polarizing and it kind of blew up on Reddit and he jumped on there and he did a podcast about it um and mentioned me dropping in to his gym but um there were about 50-50 uh, people on that, that thread were either like for it or completely against, you know, the ecological approach and what he was saying. And, and there wasn't really anywhere to talk about people who were interested in it. Too. And I kind of go down the path of like, all right, well, what is it without getting, you know, all the, the troll hater uh, commentary on Reddit? So, um, started the Discord and there was, you know, a handful of us at the time and that was, at the beginning of 2023 and now we're almost 1,100 people on there and it's pretty thriving at this point. So uh, I just started it and it's kind of just taken off.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I think last time we chatted, we were talking about how it would be cool if we were able to go back and see which number member we were on the Discord. Because I think Mm -hmm. I joined in probably March and – yeah, it's just, it's exploded yeah, yeah. since then. Have
0: you told yeah, you guys how? I think we
2: we're, were under 500 at that point And then uh, I don't know what happened. I think Rob posted something and it just went insane. So. <laughs> well,
0: have you told them how you ended up or we ended up, the school ended up on the discord? I remember the conversation. Um, this is a test. See if he actually remembers what happened.
1: I don't remember how I
0: came across the discord. You do? Yeah. Okay. We were, so we had started, was it was in March. So we started to, yeah. to to implement and um, it was probably one of the first couple uh, classes where we had um, Kelly and Rachel, Rachel, thank you. Good Lord. Uh, so Kelly was actually really excited because he that's was right. like, Oh, that's right. You guys are playing games. <laughs> like, this is what I've been wanting to do. And he came over at the end of class and was like, Hey, do you know there's a discord server? That's right. And we were like, oh, so there's other people thinking about this, right? And, you know, outside of just Greg. And um, then we plugged in from there, right? And it kind of took off after that,
2: yeah. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that the, uh, even the initial growth, like, was, I was expecting, you know, some people to just trickle in that were skeptical and, and, you know, there to continue the argument. But from the very beginning, it's been, like, you know, upper belts and very, you know, even the, the lower belts that have joined or like, you know, have backgrounds in really, you know, crazy uh, sports science or, or things like that. So it's like, it's attracted a lot of, you know, very positive, you know, people that are interested in it. And there hasn't been a whole lot of, uh, you know, negativity or anything to kind of slow it down. So it's kind of been, nice, been kind of nice. And,
0: Aaron, I'm curious, you said, you know, you had kind of been looking for a new way to do things rather than the traditional way that probably all of us started with, right? But did you know what it was? Like, what was the, you know, was it just a feeling like, hey, there's got to be a better way to do this? Like, what was your kind of mindset as you were moving? Maybe you didn't know it was actually this, you know, ecological approach, but, you know, kind of what was it that made you think that there was something different that had to happen? Well,
2: yeah, and it was, it was a couple of things. One was, you know, the feeling of always going to a class. And like because you know, I was in the I was in the Marines before so like, you know, I like I like a workout and I like to be physically exhausted at the end of it. So like any of the classes where you, you know, you go home afterwards, you, I don't even have to wash my ghee, like I get really upset. You know? So that was one of the one of the main things I wanted to approach differently is like how can I just up the workload but n- not like make it a comp- competitive level class. Um, you know, and people have the the opportunity in the, the instructional market right now. Even 10 years ago was was big. So if you want to learn that way, you can sit at home all day and do that. I don't think people want to go to the gym and have a live action instructional. Like, to me, that's always been my biggest pet peeve: is this going to a class and being lectured uh, yes. in a very uh, you know
4: hands-on
2: athletic uh, hobby you know it's not really fun to me yeah that was my main one of the main things i wanted to approach and then and then i was a purple belt at the time so i was starting you know kind of shift of like i don't need to know five sweeps or five this like i started to you know figure out the concepts of what makes a sweep work and all these kind of things so then i started making um these like little rules for myself that I would do during, during a role. I noticed things like watching wrestling or whatever and say, all right, wrestlers do a really good job of like never letting people connect their hands together or something like mm. that. And, uh, so I would make little rules in my head and i would go into like roles against people. I'm like, all right, this role, I'm going to focus on nothing, but not letting them connect their hands and just see what happens. So it was, I was playing games, but I was the only one that knew the rules and I was just experimenting. Um, so then I started things that would work, things like that that would work. Some, some of them were just dumb, and I would end up in a role and be like, oh, this didn't work out, and I'd scratch it. Because some of them would become, you know, what I think we talked about now, is like, invariance. Like, that's kind of what I was trying to figure out at the time. I just didn't have a word for it or whatever. But um, So then it, I called them habits because then I started finding these things like that, like, not letting people grab my head, being proactive about, like, grip fighting anything that touches my head um so to me i was building habits that if i just did these during a role regardless of whatever else was going on like i would be okay you know and i would it was a lot of survival stuff and that's what i was kind of getting into print stuff at the same time but so i started making classes i started trying to figure out situational drills or like kind of live roll things where i could force people to do those things um like now I know the worst part, like focus your attention on this and the other person is gonna try to do this, go live and, and make it happen. So it was kinda like there, but I didn't know all the pieces of it. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't know like um, yeah, like the planning part. That was the other big problem for me was I would show up to a class, um, and I wasn't a like they didn't know I was going to be uh, teaching that night. I didn't know I was going to be teaching that night. So I would like walk in sometimes and be like, Hey, can you take over class? So I had to start like planning and having classes prepared so that if, you know, I walked in one night and he said, teach a class. Like I would have something prepared. I hated I hated being not prepared uh, to run a class. Yeah. So kind of all that together now makes sense with the ecological, ecological approach. Cause you're, you know, you're planning these things ahead of time. Like, you rarely ever go into something an ad hoc whole class, so
0: yeah, that's super interesting to
1: me. How did you come across Greg in the first place? Was it just social media clips?
2: Yeah, I think whatever the first podcast he did, it might have been Sunny's. Um, it was either Sunny's or one of those podcasts I listened to, and everything in that it just made sense. I was like, oh, okay, this is exactly what like he's and then he said he's been doing it his one he's been doing it for eight years and i was like i've been struggling for like the same amount of time not knowing uh you know the resources he was he was trying to you know get help with so that's how i first heard him and then within a month i think it was like november of 22 uh like a month after that podcast came out i had a work trip up to DC, and i was like okay his school's like 30 minutes away so i went in for a class and roll with uh Brian who just won the purple belt absolutely got demolished by him. So I was like, okay, there's something going on here. Uh this, this guy's on to something. So.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Did you know which door to go to when you got to his gym?
2: I don't remember. I know yeah, there's like a it's like all bay doors, right? Yeah. Um no, uh, yeah, I just kind of stumbled around in the middle of the night, too. <laughs>
1: He's always talking about the people that
0: can't solve the problem of which door to go to. So, Rob, how did you get connected to the 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 Discord side of things, like this this particular group, I should say?
3: Um, I think I got a couple messages from people because I do like some Instagram stuff, and I was talking about ecological stuff here and there as I was playing with it, and I got some messages, and I never really jumped on it at first. And then when I started getting in deeper, then I got uh, somebody else I knew to send me a message. And I'm like, oh, let me just go check it out. And then once I jumped on it and then, you know, seen a bunch of people that were talking about it. And I was like, oh, this is a really, really good community. So I really liked it. It was real positive. Like Aaron said, it wasn't just like, because I, I I have no time to like argue online anymore. I, I don't do that type of stuff anymore, you know, which is so something like that. It's just Came so easy, you know, just on that discord and everybody's a sharing information, you know, talking about easy to find links on YouTube or what books to try out. And I just, uh, just started promoting it more, throwing up the links here and there. And a couple other people who were using Instagram started sending it. and it seemed like it just started blowing up even more and more. So I could have probably got on a couple months earlier, but I just didn't jump on yet. <laughs> and then when I did, I was like, all right, this is a, this is a good spot, you know, mm-hmm. so Mm-hmm. It just meshed in completely what I was doing. So um that's pretty remember much how I found the Discord. You remember when it was now? Draft? You know what? No, I can't remember now. I'd have to go look. I, I'm so bad with like days and months and all that stuff and doing I'm getting old now. So those mm-hmm. things, I don't I don't remember those things as much anymore. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> So I don't th- I'm not sure I told you this, Jeff, but um Jeremy Pavlik did a bunch of training with Rob. Leading up to and during your um, FNGL season. No kidding.
0: That's funny. No, I didn't know that. Trying to unlock the key. Well,
3: well, actually, it's funny. Uh, He, we just reconnected again right before he was having those matches at that show. And we just started playing a little, I showed him like 10 minutes of like some defensive jujitsu stuff through like the ecological approach. And then he had the match. I showed them out on Tuesday. We trained it for like 10 minutes, 10 minutes the most. And then he had that match on Friday and he was able to escape the rare naked choke with the exact same thing and he won. So I was like, so that was to show him how defensive jujitsu kind of works. And then also through the ecological lens. And now he's he's been he's been doing it a lot. We train together, you know, usually once a week or whatever, and he's starting to implement it more. So it's just kind of spreading that way. So that's really cool to see.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Big fan of Jeremy. Like that guy a lot. Yeah, good dude. Yeah. Yeah. So Denise, the question is your the floor is yours. How did you get connected in?
4: So this is what I love about the grappling community. Like 10 years ago, I went to Phoenix or like suburbs of Phoenix Mesa to go visit my family. They all live out there. And um, I had always wanted to train at a 10th planet school but there was none in Santa Cruz. Like uh, Denny had just started up in Oakland, I think. Um, So it was, you know, there was like not really much 10th planet going on back at that time. And so I was super excited and I did a week of drop-ins over at John Botello school and met Pat and, uh, he, I still have the videos. I still watch some of them and share with my students. <laughs> but like he was showing me like electric chair sweeps and all this cool stuff. And, um, they were just all just so nice. Um, and I stayed in touch kind of with him, like loosely just following his progress out east and opening his own school and you know that whole scene and then um one day I saw him posting up about games and um I messaged him it was like a Saturday morning or Friday afternoon I was like what are you doing and he was like oh you gotta (laughs) check this out it's really cool so I spent the whole weekend like researching I was on chat GBT trying to get vocabulary and resources and all this stuff um and so that's how I got into it Um, I've been kind of, so I've been teaching kids on and off for a long time and doing as you do as a woman and, uh, and running camps. So I always played a lot of games, um, but I never thought about doing it with grownups. Um, and I've been a math teacher for about 20 years or been in education. So like my first year of teaching, there's so many parallels, like, it's just, it's weird to me, like how much teaching jiu or grappling is like teaching math because it's like linear, but you can you know go off in different directions, all this stuff. So my first year of teaching math, um, I was like the sit and get teacher. Like I do the problem. You copy me doing the problem. You go home and try to do it. You can't do it. We come back and pretend <laughs> none of that ever happened. And we start over the next day. So after my first year of teaching, I was like, I'm going to die if I have to do this for the rest of my career i totally changed it i implemented project-based learning problem-based learning embedded context learning um attended to all the socio-emotional stuff um, just like we do in eco teaching it's so similar to the way like the transition in my teaching here in grappling coaching has just felt seamless mm-hmm. um because there's so many parallels with academics. I mean obviously there's differences because it's motor skills versus cognitive skills, but uh, the more research I read, the more I see that there are like adjacent tangential like theories. Like there there's a lot of uh bumping into each other or brushing up against each other. So um uh Yeah, so that's how I got into it. And I went into my school and I told my guys on that Monday, I was like, we're going to try something totally different. Um, If you hate it, we'll go back. But I think this is going to be cool. And let's just see how it goes. And after two weeks, they were like, never do the talking to us again, please. So, um, yeah.
0: That's great. Sounds familiar. 100%. They love it. They
4: love it.
0: Yeah, I mean,
3: But I, it
4: takes I, work, you know, like, uh, uh, and, and upper belts are the ones that have kind of been not, not all of them, but a couple of them had a little bit of trouble, like understanding, like concept-based, principle-based instruction, task-based, task-focused, goal-oriented versus, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
4: Um so, you know, we've had our little ups and downs, but overall, my students trust me and uh, we have really open communication, I think, which is key. Um, I chase them around. I still do. I chase them out in the parking lot even to get feedback from them, like how the class go, you know, like you know, plus or minus or anything like that. And um, overwhelmingly, it's been positive.
0: I'm curious to ask all four of you, actually, um, when, do you ever worry that students are going to come in and be like, what the hell is this? Like, this isn't, this isn't what I expected. This isn't what I would see if I was like watching jujitsu someplace else, or I've been in another school. Like, are you ever concerned with that? You're like, are you guys all feel like committed enough to the approach that if someone's not on board, they're not on board and that's it. Right. Like, how do you guys think about that?
4: I front load students. So when they come in, I tell them it's going to feel different than It's going to feel like learning in a class, like a class where you have to do work to learn. Mm. Like I'm not going to tell you. I tell them explicitly. I'm not going to tell you everything to do. I'm going to give you a a goal. I'm going to give you some uh, guardrails on what you can and can't do and uh, just send you to work and ask you to figure it out. And it's going to feel really weird and really hard at the beginning. Um, One thing that I did that has been super helpful was to pair every new student up with an established student for their first several classes. And that's a nice transition for them. Cause they don't feel so like weird about not knowing what to do. Like there's no expectation that they're going to know what to do.
0: Yeah. Cause I think that like, if I teach you, all right, well, your right hand goes here, your left hand goes here, your foot goes on the hip here, right? Like people like that's an I'll say that's like an easier entry point, right? Into the movements, right? You don't have to think about that stuff. There's no thought involved in that. Right, right, Which I know is the exact point, right? (laughs) Like why we're not doing that. But um, there's like that level of comfort, right? When you're giving them specifics of exactly how they have to get through their first class or first several classes.
4: The teens are pretty easy. I just tell them, I'm going to feel like your math teacher that answers every question you ask with a question. And they're like, oh, okay, I get it. And they just go do their thing. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think like we talked about this for a second on our intro earlier. The initial transition, you know, when we were taking all of our existing students and suddenly one day to the next, completely changing how we did things. Um, I put a lot of effort in almost every day to make sure I'm explaining the hows and the whys and the what's, but now that we've transitioned all of them, I feel like new people off the street walking into their first jujitsu class, they don't know better either way. Um, so as far as they know, this is just how jujitsu goes. This is what jujitsu class is like. Um, I mean, for context, Jeff teaches half of our fundamentals program. So, I mean, you get, you have to deal with this more on the front end than I do because I just teach the advanced classes. So I have the, the the people that are already on board and bought into it.
0: Oh yeah, I'm asking for my own, my own <laughs> personal adv-
1: advancement here, right? So yeah, but for my opinion, you know, we're we're 100% bought in on it. So if you know we get the one oddball that comes in that doesn't like it, and that's not how they want to train, then you know, there's plenty of other. No offense, but there's plenty of other places to train that might offer what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I
0: specific, and again, we talked about this in the intro a little bit. I specifically am more conscious of it when someone comes in who has trained at another location you know, in a more traditional sense, right. And taking the extra second to actually explain to them, like, this is not going to be that, right. You're going to feel different. Right. And I'm not going to tell you exactly how to do X, Y, Z. Um, and I'm always just like hyper-conscious, right. Or very aware of like what their reaction is, like what their body language is saying, like, do they, are they making a face as soon as I say that? Right. So, you know, that, that was hundred percent why I was asking right? Like, how do you guys think about that overall?
4: I think I get more shade for being a five foot two female coach (laughs) who owns the gym than any teaching method.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
4: I get more of the like, you know, Mm -hmm. sizing me up on the way Mm -hmm. in, but luckily like our gym has just a totally different vibe than any other school here. Um, We're a little bit away from most people and uh, we just attracted a different crew so it's nice for you know like folks in town to have options like very traditional training versus are your nails cut come on in you know kind of thing like i don't care what you're wearing i don't you know i don't care if you're late i'm just happy you're here Mm -hmm. we're not doing punishment burpees um yeah you know so it's it's just a we play wrestle ball like (laughs) it's just a different scene yeah yeah yeah
0: should we talk about camp? I was just gonna say, do you want to let the lid off of uh, what really brought you guys all here?
2: <laughs> well, I have a comment real quick on the, what we were just talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I don't own the gym I train at, but I, you know, teach, mm-hmm. you know, quite often. But I would just say that the ratio of people who enjoy the class to the people who are slightly skeptical to have comments, is probably like one in twenty, so it kind of gives me the confidence that if I were to own a school and that was what I saw, like I wouldn't really get too hung up on the, the one person over the the twenty who are really enjoying it. Um, at least in my experience how it's been and then um but yeah and then to the what you were talking about with the I I feel like the same way with you know probably around three or four year blue belt and up like they kind of are the, the line of where people get a little skeptical it seems, but I think at least from my perspective, it seems like, cause I know like I can watch someone do a movement and I don't need to explain it. Like I can, I can pick up enough from watching it and most purple and brown belts probably can. like, I think that's what they want to see like, when you don't show them what you want them to do. And they're, they're focused on kind of – we've all been in that, that, that kind of path of like your instructor wants you to do something that looks good versus get the job done. And we're kind of switching to like I don't care what it looks like. I just want you to have an outcome. And I think that's where a lot of people get hung up is like they don't know how you want it to look versus what the end goal is sometimes. Yeah. So like Like I want you to pass guard. I don't care what it looks like it could be ugly but as long as you pass the guard then attaboy yeah
0: yeah it's fascinating because I think about uh, we've had people come into class before actually just recently somebody was asking us well can we learn more submissions right like I want to learn an arm bar and even like showing them some basic movements around that without telling them well the idea here is that you're really trying to hyperextend the elbow right Like, I have just like, just think about that. Like, I'm not going to show you how to do it. I just want you to think about the, what I'm trying to accomplish is a hyperextension of the elbow and like, okay. But like the people lose that, right. When they get caught up in the, like, well, I'm trying to, you know, make sure the thumbs pointed up and I'm trying to extend my hips, blah, 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 blah. Like they don't think about what they're actually trying to accomplish. It's just a series of movements. Right. And that's kind of something I've always thought about in jujitsu. Like, all right, what's the big picture, forget the mechanics of how I'm supposed to do this, but the big picture I'm trying to accomplish I think that's just you know that fundamental understanding of like just the objective, let alone the movements itself, right, is where the gains can be made in the education of folks. All right, now you want to rip it off?
1: All right. Well, I mean, the lid's already off. is yeah, sold yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have an official name? Did we ever come up with one?
4: Rob did. Eco Palooza. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's yeah. Uh, that's, what you, that's what you've been calling it yeah mm-hmm. yeah
4: you
1: know, we talked about that as our our internal working name but uh, i like it so we're we're hosting a camp it's actually going to be here in our gym um 10 planet springfield march 2024 which is coming up right around the corner it's crazy um but we have an entire lineup of all instructors that are operating in this world of the ecological approach. Um, So we got Greg Souders to headline it, which I think was a a huge grab and um, props to Denise. She put in pretty much all of the legwork on um, acquiring the talent for the camp. Um, So we got Greg. um, We have Ed Ingemels coming from... England, which was,
2: mm.
1: which was huge. I've been listening to Ed a lot. Um, we have Scott Sivright from primal in Milwaukee. Uh, so Scott's big on using, applying the ecological approach to MMA. Mm. Um, but obviously he has a, a jitsu background as well. Um, Rob myself and Josh Peacock. Um, I don't know Josh well, who can give a good briefing on his background. I've listened to him a little bit, but I don't, I don't want to screw it up.
4: Josh is, he has a master's in educational psychology, um, but he did not teach anywhere. As far as I know, he got into like a, a marketing kind of job. So he's like, uh, doing corporate stuff. Um he's super knowledgeable about research. He's he's able to dig into research and um operationalize a lot of complex topics in a way that art is super understandable for folks. So he's got the combat learning podcast and he he's a taekwondo black belt, maybe. I want to say I'm pretty sure he's a taekwondo black belt. So that's how he got into eco. Um, but he interviews on his podcast, he interviews people from all different sports and researchers hmm. as well.
0: That's cool. So what's the layout? Like, what do we, what should people expect over the course of the weekend?
1: So we are planning, so it's a, it's a three day camp. So, um, Friday, the first day is going to be, a a coaching workshop. So, uh, picture more like classroom conference style learning um less on the mat time so uh i believe the the idea we're running with here is these guys will be talking about how they approach and um, formulate their lesson plans their classes their structure um we're still sorting out specific schedules on all this stuff but friday is meant to be the day for the coaches to learn more on how to coach and then Saturday, Sunday will be uh, one hour blocks of training with the various coaches and then some open mat time and, um, maybe some social activities mixed in.
4: And then somewhere in there, we'll work in a round table around kids programming. Uh, it's more, not like a formal workshop as much as, uh, coaches bringing, uh, ideas and resources to share with each
1: other. Yeah, I think that's going to fit in on Saturday or I mean Friday right during the coaching day. So. Yeah. Cool. So, Rob, I'd like to get your thoughts on this whole camp thing as, you know, we've leaned on your experiences a lot as being a a globetrotter instructor and you know, the the experiences that people get from these camps and um you know what you feel like are the the benefits and the outcomes from these big multi-day events
3: yeah it's um it's funny it's interesting with the globetrotter stuff they have it set up so nice and you have all these different hour blocks of classes and so you get to see all these different perspectives on how people coach you know it's a lot of technical stuff but then you get different coaches you know like pre and chris paynes and more you know more on the conceptual side so you get all these different type of coaches and then you have a lot of open mat time and to me that's that's always a big thing because you get to train with all these different people you never trained with before. So you kind of get to work on all of your type of stuff. So it's so much like supercharged amount of training in 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 one session or one day, kind of like what we want to do in ecological approach is we want to maximize that time. So I see this camp being semi-similar, but very, but very different. But um we're definitely going to get a lot more because I I've done a couple ecological classes for the Globetrotter camp and I always try to frame it that way. And don't want people going too hard at first because it's a long day right it's going to be a long day so we all get excited about training and you know greg's i'm sure greg's gonna run through some stuff and get people going and sweating and you know we just all have to keep saving our energy and try to just just keep training all day long but have a good balance of uh, the conceptual side the understanding all the underpinnings of it and then the implementation, of how to do it. And I I'm excited to see how other coaches are doing these things and what I can take from them, what they can learn from me. Maybe, you know, I've, I've been to Greg's so I've seen how Greg kind of does things. And then it'll be interesting to see how Ed runs his stuff. You know, I uh, I went to your school. I didn't get to see how you run your stuff. I, I just was doing my class there. So, and then Scott, it's just, it's going to be a really a, this is going to be a lot of grappling, which is great. And just like a supercharged approach to it. And I think this is like the first one like this. So it'll be kind of like the Mecca of how these, these classes go on bringing all these coaches together. You know, if we just keep going on this idea and bringing in more people and just uh kind of expanding all our knowledge base on this, because I, I think the main goal of everybody is just getting better and how to learn better and how to coach better. And you're not going to, this will be, one of the best uh, ways to do it, in my opinion, in this type of environment, because everybody's together and you can actually see it and feel it instead of podcast or Reddit or the Internet or Instagram. We got it. We got to touch. We got to grab each other, you know, and that that's what we're going to do. So I'm I'm super excited about it. You know, I'm so glad we it came about so quickly and we're going to be doing this in March. I'm just I'm ready to go. You know, I constantly think about what I'm going to teach, what I'm going to coach. It always changes every day, <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I'm, but I'm really excited for it. Big time! I'm spending days sitting here, like,
1: what am I going to teach with Greg in attendance? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, damn Greg good. It's like, oh
4: yeah, like you go yeah, wait Greg outside.
3: Could, yeah, Greg could critique us uh, as we're going, or yeah, it will be know, good.
1: It's nerve wracking. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be very good.
3: Oh, and, yeah. I'll,
0: go ahead, yeah Rob, it's,
3: it's interesting because I'll do a globe shotter class and then you'll have like, you know, 10 or 15 other black belts or coaches just watching you and you just gotta, you know, you got, you gotta try to make it interesting. You gotta be on point, you know? So I'm I'm pretty prep for that. I'm used to that, but it'll be interested in this format because it's so specific or in globe shotters, you get a, you do what you do. And this one is like, this is what people are wanting to see this specific style, you know, this, this way to do things. So I've been honing that a little bit. So we'll, we'll see how that goes.
4: Someone on the discord was asking if there's going to be downtime between the the, like live days, the Saturday and Sunday. Um, I'm pretty sure we have open mat time scheduled in between the sessions, right?
1: Yeah, I know nothing's final yet, but we're, we're looking at fitting in some open mat times, lunch break, that kind of stuff. So I think there will be some downtime. And I mean, like Rob was just saying, people are just going to have to manage their output.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you can go nuts first session if you want. If, if you got the gas tank to go all day, that's right. good for you. More power to you. Yeah. Yeah,
2: it's like a, It's like a music festival. You can't watch every band.
1: Yeah.
4: Echo Palooza.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Aaron, did you ever expect that this would be kind of where things went? Like is this how, where's your head when you think about the fact that now there's going to be a Echo Palooza?
2: So did I expect it to actually happen? No, but <laughs> when I have a I have a checklist that I created um at the beginning of last year of things I wanted to to get done it was like um like milestones i wanted to hit like teach five classes teach 10 classes teach 15 classes all the way down to you know i have one for a thousand people on discord that i thought would never happen it happened uh, i have a I had a camp on there that i thought was never going to happen and it happened in a year so yeah it was on my dream list but to happen within a year is kind of insane
1: It's cool that's pretty cool i know we You know, before we launched the camp, we, we just, you know, we had some weekly meetings we discussed, we thought, you know, there's a, a big enough group of people interested that, you know, it would sell people would show up, but did anyone expect that it would sell out 50 plus spots in less than two days? I mean, that's, I couldn't believe it.
0: I'm still getting messages from people.
4: Half of it sell out on that first day. Like that was insane
2: yeah and did
0: you
4: say that
2: so there's almost enough on the wait list for for really (laughs) at another fall camp
1: that's nuts
3: yeah i was really happy it sold out so quick at first i was thinking okay we're gonna have to everybody get on instagram start sending out our messages who's gonna do this i could go check out this and i was like all right it's already sold out and i got people messaging me hey uh, how do i get in or hey, save me a spot, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, I think it, I think it, it's a great time to do it. I'm glad we jumped on it and did it early enough to where, you know, there's still some interest in it. and We can just kind of build off this, you know, momentum. So it's, I was, I was pretty, I was really happy with it selling yeah. out that quickly.
1: The quick sellout, um, it just relieves all the stress of planning any event. So now, you know, the people are committed, the money's in the bank, and we can just focus on. Uh, making it as awesome as possible.
3: Yeah.
4: Well, what I really like is that it's not like intended to be a revenue generating event. Uh, we talked about like registration price points that would allow us to bring in the folks that we wanted to bring in and pay for their you know, accommodations and their food and all that stuff. And that um, it's in the spirit of learning and helping the community grow which I think
0: is really cool. Did you guys have a list of folks that you were, I mean, I'm assuming Greg was one of them, but like, did you have another list of folks that you were like, Hey, if we can get so-and-so, so-and-so and so-and-so like we're golden. Like how did you guys come to the list of instructors? Rob and Pat and I included. They forced me to. <laughs> <people.
2: laughs> I think we had what three or four people. And then it was like a, greg and if we could get greg and any of the other ones then it would be okay Mm -hmm. that was kind of the idea we didn't
4: think we were going to get ed because we couldn't afford to fly him over from london and he decided that this was too important to miss and so he's flying himself over and we'll house him so that's phenomenal um the one person i would i really wanted to bring out that couldn't come is cal jones uh the judo guy that lives in wales Mm. Um, he's he's phenomenal he works in a school with kids so he he teaches pe and like sports to kids he's egoing them every day and he's just he's writing a book on uh eco for judo and he understands the research but just puts everything in such such a easy to understand way like the the way that he's helped me with judo training at my school and just the very giving like you message him he's like oh let's have a zoom and chat you know and (laughs) Um just giving up his time um, so that that's someone I'd like to bring in in the future for sure or we or we have to do a European tour and Don't go back over that way the, everyone I contacted was super excited to come we um, you know willing to come um wasn't like a hard sell with anyone um they're all being very generous with their time. They're good humans. So I'm really excited to just meet them in person and learn from them.
0: It's cool that, and again, you know, I I don't want say necessarily to call myself an outsider, right? But it's cool to see that, you know, people who do this style of teaching, like really believe in it, right? And to your point, right? Ed thought it was important enough that he would come over here and do it regardless, right? And um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. some of that you can say about jujitsu in general. Right. But I think um, it's just cool to see, like, to take it one step further and like, Hey, this is an important thing to get out there an important thing for people to understand. And I just think about all the arguments that you see Greg game with people who just feel like they're coming, at least from my perspective, they get on, and they just want him there so they can argue with him about points that whether or not, you know, if there's any logic behind them or not. Right. Like, it's just neat to see that those guys are all like, well, this is important. We're going to make this all happen.
4: Well, pretty much every sport has a professional organization where their coaches come together and talk about methods and talk about research and what's working and, you know, collaborate and improve their practice and they have conferences and jiu has one self-proclaimed governing body, uh, the IBJJF. Um, you know, ADCC is getting bigger so that, you know, in different The pro scene has come on a lot, you know, in the last few years. So that's casting a shadow, but we don't really have that same cohesion in the grappling community. And, um, you know, I I miss that because I really like talking with other teachers and academics. I learned a lot just from casual conversations, seeing what they're doing, hearing what's working and what's not, being able to get together in professional ways. So I love this. And. Um, I'm really hoping we can keep these going so that we have you know like ongoing, you know, however this morphs into, but to continue professional conversations and and the conversations around coaching on the discord are like none that I've ever seen in my whole time of grappling. Like i I never come across people that were digging into research. We're trying to use evidence-based practices. We're really trying to apply the hard hard concepts to, you know, to their work every day and, and helping each other so much, like just freely giving um, advice and resources and here's what I did and here's how I did it and check this out. So I think that there's a lot of room for, for eco this, this kind of scene right here that we've got to push, push out some professionalism just in grappling in general.
2: Yeah, Well said. I think that- I think it's uh hopefully a sign of the sport growing because you know like Denise said there's like usa judo and there's usa wrestling and they all have coaching certifications and classes and things you can take um and like greg says we're in the leather helmet stage of our sport so hopefully you know up until this point most most schools and instructors are just people who got the bike belt open the school but now we're seeing like people wanting to get into like the science of coaching beyond the knowledge of your sport, uh, uh, the knowledge of just grappling. So it's like, how do how do I make myself better as a coach also? Um, so hopefully to me, I, I, I hope to take that as a sign that the sport of grappling is growing and, you know, people are taking coaching more seriously than just, you work your way up to black belt and now you open a school and that makes you qualified to be a coach. And, you know, not
1: always the case. Yeah, I think what was telling is almost everybody that signed up for the camp um added on the coaching workshop too. It it's probably yeah. 80 or 90 percent of the attendees are are wanting to get the coaches session too. And I've had several reach out to me asking what the format of that day is gonna be and saying that they're hoping it's you know gonna be more like classroom learning style. So until the the interest is really there for people to actually learn how to coach and not just, you know, be on the mats, just doing the jujitsu.
3: Yeah. It's What I really like about this is it's such a concentrated uh, time just on the, you know, the training is obviously important, but the coaching is going to be a huge part. Cause like I was just, I was on Scott's podcast. Uh, we recorded one a while, a couple weeks ago. And, and I, I was saying that what's nice about, you know, this eco stuff coming to light more recently and even with the people that don't like it and say it's stupid and blah, 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 you know, at least what it's doing is pushing the conversation forward about coaching in general. Even if you want to be an IP person or an eco person, you still should the conversation should be about coaching. It's in the older way, we just say the traditional and everybody is training. They didn't really talk about coaching though. They just this is what I do, this is how I run a class, but they don't talk about why they do it or this now people are starting to dive deeper into it even if it's more deliberate practice which is an ip format it's still a better way for them to do that where we're we're focusing more on the eco side and diving and deeper on that so it really pushes the conversation forward and this is going to be you know like they're talking about this is actually about the coaching it's about the training and what i what i liked about the globetrotters event i attend to is you get to talk to a lot of coaches on the side or at the open mats and we talk about coaching in different ways but it's 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 not in the format where everybody's talking together, you know, maybe two or three people or one-on-one, but this is going to have so many people together just talking about it and how we push it forward. So uh, I'm excited about that. It's like a really concentrated and we need to have stuff like this. It shouldn't just be the traditional model or, oh, I watch this DVD and, oh, this is how I run my class and I do these techniques and, oh, I don't skip a warm, you know, we got to understand why we're doing this stuff. So the only way we're going to do it is by talking about it, you know, and, and getting together and physically doing this type of stuff. We need these, this, we need this type of environment. So that's why I'm very excited for that, you know, just to get these concentrated conversations going in a big group like this.
1: Yeah, I was going to say the same thing a minute ago, um, when I, when I go to the camps and stuff now, I'm it's more so to watch and observe how other people are teaching a class and commanding the crowd and you know all that stuff and getting those sidebar conversations and now we've put together a three-day weekend of all of those sidebar conversations Mm -hmm. being the the meat and potatoes that we're going there for so i'm super pumped about that yeah the level of instructional
4: design that that i'm seeing you know just if, if people, if, if the biggest change that came out of this whole movement is that people have, coaches have a learning intention for their day, huge.
1: Right, that regardless the of your approach.
4: plans, mm-hmm, huge. Just coming at it from a, a professional method of coaching.
2: Yeah, and that's that's what I want to see um, really from the coaching day is, you know, I've been in one of Greg's classes. And I've seen how little instruction he gives, and but you can tell there's a lot of thought behind it. So that's I want to see what goes on in his head to come up with a class. How much thought, how many iterations he's gone through playing with that before he got to the point where he's delivering what he's delivering in the class. And I think a lot of that would be eye-opening for a lot of people. Um, the amount of effort that goes into um, perfecting a game or perfecting a uh, overall practice
1: right and help that will help people understand why there can't just be a grab bag of games for them right. to take right. and have that become their program
4: yeah uh, yeah and
2: pat like you said uh, like almost everybody signed up for it immediately and it made me it made me wonder if like if we did the camp all three days just on coaching probably would have just been just as popular. Yeah, I think no so. Roll, no rolling at all.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's well, that's my I'm the most interested in. Like, I feel like the knowledge, like the participation in the classes, is one thing. But for me, like this, going we move to this coaching model it kind of unlocked that passion again, right? I'm, a, I'm getting older, right? Like I can't roll and I don't feel the same energy that I did from just going to train every day like I used to, right? But having to put my brain power into like how I'm going to translate or how I'm going to coach or how I'm going to form my plans, that's like a whole new set of energy, right? So I'm like most interested in that, like not just the coaching stuff on Friday, but the next two days of just watching. Right. Like frankly, I could care less if I rolled. Right. Like I just want to see how the people are doing what it is they're doing. Cause that's like where more of my focus is these days. Um, and that's where I'm getting like my own energy and drive out of it. So, you know, I hell, if we did that for three days, I'd be <laughs> I'd be perfectly happy. But um there's just like there's so much to learn there just to observe how people are doing those things, it's just good for my own growth.
4: Model teaching is powerful as as a uh Instructor development tool, because we'll get to see how students respond, and then how the instructor pivots, and then the follow-up mm-hmm. questions that they have. So just like that continuous instructional cycle throughout the, the session is going to be so valuable. So, um, I I agree. I'm I'm there to observe the co- the coaching and and the students' uh, responses to what's happening.
0: I think that's uh, a, yeah, that's a good point
1: with the the question that came up about it. You know, are we live training for eight hours every day? Like how, how tired are we going to get, you know, I think there's still tons of value if someone's a little exhausted for a session and they just want to sit back and watch it. It's not like just watching someone teaching techniques. There'll still be plenty to learn by observing a session if you're not actively training in it.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. When I was at the Globetrotter camp in Arizona, I did a little workshop on the ecological approach and, you know, had other instructors watching, talking. And then later in the week, another guy did a skill acquisition one, but it was more of IP-based delivery practice. And I went and watched that one because I want to see what other people are doing, how we're doing it. We we had great Mm -hmm. conversations all week. We're coming from two different ways of doing it. But it was funny. There was so much little overlap there was a lot of overlap going on and we were able to talk about those different things. And to me, those stuff, that stuff's valuable. The training's going to be great. You could go as hard as you want, but just sitting back and, and observing and watching and taking and up, other people who do it, that's, that's just as valuable sometimes, you know? So it, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be good. Even if you're tired, if you're, <laughs> don't want to roll every time, I, I'm not going to roll all day. You know, I'm going to roll as much as I can. You know, I'm going to regulate myself, you know, how I do it. You know you can't go hundred you can, percent you can't do it that long. so so you're definitely you're still gonna learn even if you're not actually doing you can you know take in that that knowledge uh, knowledge about
0: the mental reps
1: yeah, so we're coming up on about an hour here. um anything any of you wanna to add or touch on before we wrap it up?
4: I want to say thank you to the ladies that signed up. I know there's not that many of us, but it's super important that you show up. So I'm really excited to train with you and meet you.
1: Rob, Aaron, any last words?
2: Um, Just to answer people's questions. And you can fill us in on where we're at with it. But we, we do want to record it. And make sure that there's footage of it after the fact for anyone who couldn't make it. But i uh, wow, so Jeff here is film. Yeah.
1: Jeff here is my nexus to the videographer. So um we've been actively talking through some stuff this week. So um there will be there will be something. We'll be shooting most of it and, and have something produced.
3: Yeah, my, my final words. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. And if you missed out, sorry, jump in on the next, next one. Time. We we want to keep doing it. You know, it's only 50 people this time. Maybe we'll get 100 next time. Maybe we'll do more. We'll see, you know, but uh, I think there's a definitely a market for this. People are interested in it. You know, we have coaches that are interested. We have students. Everybody's interested. You know, let's just keep going this way. I, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm glad it's been put together.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks, guys, for... Joining us today. I think this is a great conversation. I enjoyed it. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Have
3: a good one. Thank you.